I want to encourage you just to take a moment before you take a seat. You can come on up. Thanks, Ivan. Um, I love that statement. It's a declaration. It's a phrase. Uh, that hope does have a name. I love that it's not about hype. It's not just about an emotion. I don't know about you, but there are days where, where I'm a little bit spent, and so the emotions aren't what I always want them to be. But whether I'm feeling it or not feeling it, hope has a name. Whether I'm feeling it or not, whether, whether, whether everything is quite as I would like it to feel or not, I know that we have an anchor for our souls. We have, we have a genuine hope that is not affected by the economy, that's not affected by, uh, by the, the coronavirus report. You know, if you've gone for a test, and, and I know so, I have so many friends, I know so many people, pastors, friends, uh, that, that, that are positive, that have been affected by us. I love it that regardless of what's going on, that we can have hope, that hope has a name. So Father, before we even go into your word for a few moments today, God, I pray even just in this moment, help us, please, to allow those words to sink into our hearts. Lord, we, we think about your reckless, extravagant love the price you've paid, the, the lengths that you've gone to to reach out to us. Lord, there is so much hope that we have available in you. So Father, wherever people are finding themselves at right now, those that are present, those that are online, God, would you help us to hear your voice, to hear your whisper, to see you. Help us to see you, to see your goodness, to see your faithfulness, to see your power, your strength, your might, how trustworthy you are. God, thank you that we can have hope in you. This Christmas, 2020, may our hope be in you. As we're going to 2021, regardless of what may or may not happen, may our hope be in you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Would you go ahead and take your seats? Thanks so much to our worship team. And welcome to our final service of Christmas 2020. No, the rapture hasn't taken place. This is just who was available, I guess, for the 10 o'clock service. This may or may not be the smallest group of people we've ever had in our church for a service, and that's, and that's okay. So I need you guys to help out just a little bit in being just a little bit responsive and enthusiastic and helpful. I, I really do want to extend a massive thank you to everyone. Man, I, you know, yeah, just to everyone that serves. Guys, you, you, it is such a blessing that we get to do church together. I think of the worship team that are on virtually every single service, and they've, they're so tired of hear, hearing me say the same thing, uh, but they're willing to sit in it again anyway because I'm threatening them with guilt and condemnation if they don't, so, so we appreciate you guys. Um, but just everyone from the car park to the cafe to those that have been serving in kids, and just the people that have helped make this year happen. There's so many people that in different ways have helped uh, yeah, just helped us continue to serve uh, one another, and so we're grateful to you. And this is this is officially our final service for 2020. It is it is mind blowing to me to think that next Friday is the new year. I don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but like we talk about, yeah, yeah, we'll check in in the new year. It's like, oh wait, that's next week. It's like, oh, it feels too soon. Like I'd like there to be a gap. Anyway, I I'm I'm grateful. Sue and I are taking a bit of a break after right after the service. So right after the service. I don't want to know you. I don't want to hear about your problems. We are, we are switching off hard and, and looking forward to it. Um, I want to take a look at, at a few of the names that, the, that Scripture attributes to Jesus and, and why I believe we have so much reason to have hope. 
Um, if, if ever there's been a year in living memory, I know that there have been years be, be before that in history, but, but for those of us that are alive, if ever there's been a year that's been disruptive, um, inter- and, and, and by the way, even, even if it's worked out well for you, I know some people for whom like it's created new opportunities and it's worked out exceptionally well, but still it, it creates extra demands and, and pressure. So if ever there's been a, a year that has just been weird and uncertain, like this, this is it. So if, if ever there's been a year where some of the things that we might put our hope into or our faith into uh, that's been shaken, probably this is it. And that's not a bad thing. A lot of bad things have happened, but to have our hope tested is not a bad thing. Um, to, have, to have things shaken a little bit and for us to, to be reminded of, of, of what, what it is that we actually put our confidence into is not a bad thing. Um, I don't want you to ever be discouraged when you go through a crisis of faith. It's often those seasons that actually help us to strengthen our faith. If we don't go through those seasons of testing, if we don't go through those seasons of stretching, then when something does happen, which is inevitable, where there's going to be a surprise or a curveball, um, you want to have a strong, tried and tested faith that you know why you believe what you believe. And it's not just because of somebody else, and it's not just because we had an inspiring service somewhere or someone you know, has always really seemed positive, so you kind of hope that they're right. No, no, where we actually figure out our own faith for ourselves and where we have this stability, this, this anchor for ourselves. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 in the New Living Translation says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Here are the four phrases I want to take a look at. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Four incredible descriptions of the God that we are invited to trust, that we are invited to do life with, that we are invited to enjoy. You know, you get to enjoy God. Like, that's not irreligious. That's not disrespectful. Like, like we're allowed to enjoy. For those of you that are parents, don't you want your kids to enjoy a relationship with you? Like, we get to enjoy a relationship with this God. Now, I would imagine for those of you that are parents and have gotten to name your kids, I would imagine that you would have been fairly thoughtful, that you would have gone through some lengths, right, in thinking through their names and what they might mean and um, what people might do to their names, right? Like, how badly could people mess this up at school to kind of like mark them? Anyway, I've got a few examples of people whose parents clearly did not give a lot of thought to their names. This first one, I think, was the spokesman for the Iraqi army. Sad man, and he looks the role, right? So some, sometimes words have, have meaning. This uh, next young man, I don't think he's a convict. I think he's actually a Major League Baseball player, but, but his parents, I think, tried to make up for the surname with a rather legendary first name. So Lancelot. Super sad. This next, by the way, these are all legit. You'll find these online. This next name, Chris P. Bacon, is like, why would you not like think through some of these things? And my favorite is last, Dr. Wet Fods, right? <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I would change my name, I'd, like pretty much to anything else. These are the names I can show you, okay? There are about 20 names for everyone I could show you that I can't show you, that I thought was hilarious, but it'd be inappropriate for me to show you in church. Like, it is amazing to me what some people get away with naming. I'm like, how did they get through school? Like, how do you actually get through in a life with teenagers and other kids with some of the names that... Anyway, so clearly those parents had not given a great deal of thought to their names. But I want to encourage you that when God inspired the authors of Scripture, so when God inspired Isaiah to pen, uh, to write down these names, 
It was intentional. It was thoughtful. It is accurate. It has meaning. It has gravitas. It is, it is not just being sentimental and sweet and let's try and find something. No, no. These have meaning. They are life-giving. They are legit. They are real. And I believe that we can find a lot of hope in them. The first is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. That word wonderful in the original language could be translated as too wonderful for words. Like, like it's hard to even put into words just how wonderful this God is. And counselor speaks of guiding, encouraging, and helping us. Now, now in case you are freaked out at the idea of going to a counselor or a therapist, maybe especially for, 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 for many of us guys, I don't think that this just refers to where you have to go and pour your heart out and talk about feelings and your childhood. I, I think that, that a counselor, although I think that there's a place for that, by the way, just so you know, but, but I think that a counselor is also what is used by people that are wise, actually get more wise people around them to counsel. So presidents will have counselors, they'll have advisors. Uh, business leaders, hopefully pastors, will have people around them that will counsel and advise. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that there is a wise and too wonderful for words counselor that is available to give me wisdom when I need it, and I often need way more than I have. I often need way more perspective than I have. I will do my best to figure things out. I'll even talk to other people, but there comes a place where you need the wonderful counselor to guide us, to advise us, to encourage us, to help us. Now, I want to take a look. So I'm going to look at these four names or phrases. Then I want to take a look at, at for each one, there's a response that I believe is appropriate from us. So you will, you'll often hear me say, where are the variables? So God, God is God. God. God's already done everything he can. God cannot love you more. God wants to speak. Do we want to listen? God, God is, is already all in. We are the variables. And so in this particular case, our response, I believe, needs to be a willingness to listen. So if he's the wonderful counselor, too wonderful for words, am I willing to listen? And by the way, that's actually quite a, that's quite like a, like a low pressure responsibility. I don't have to make stuff happen. I don't have to conjure something up. Can I just position myself in a healthy way, regularly enough to actually just try and hear God. Listen to God. I think that there are three approaches involved if you go for counseling or if you're going to look for advice, etc., wisdom. One is to be honest, two is patient, and three is teachable. When we talk about being honest, I often think of the idea of someone going to a doctor and being a little bit embarrassed about why they're there, so they, so they really just kind of mention another symptom, but it's not the real cause. Like, it's, like it's not the real symptom of, of what's going on because it's a little bit awkward, right? Which is making me think of all kinds of inappropriate stories. But anyway, it's it's. Um, but if you're wanting help, you you need to be honest about what you're feeling, what you're going through, hopes, disappointments, fears. God is genuinely not intimidated or offended by our honesty. In fact, I think the only way for God to help us is when we're honest. Not because he doesn't know, it's just that when we're honest, then we're making ourselves available. So you want to be honest, you want to be patient, because it is a process. I wish I, wish I could articulate this better and in an, in an encouraging, life-giving way, because, because it can often sound discouraging, but we really are on a journey. 
I look back over the last few years and I'm amazed at how patiently God has been working on areas in my life that frankly, if it was up to me, I'd like a, I'd like a quick fix. God, like just, just, just give me the microchip or, or give, me, give me the one seminar, the one book, the one conference, the one podcast, and like just change me in that area. But, but fruit takes time to form. So let's be patient as we persist, persevere, keep allowing God to counsel us and to guide us. And when it comes to being teachable, my encouragement to you is not to take the solution to God, but to take the problem to God. That doesn't mean that you can't offer suggestions, but surrender them to God. It's, it's amazing how sometimes we, we take what we think is the solution to God and say, God, make it happen, please. Like, we might add it, please, but like basically saying, make it happen. As opposed to saying, God, I need you. I think this might work, but it might be the worst idea in the world. I want to be teachable. Take the problem, not the solution. So, by the way, I want to encourage you, whether you're away, or, you know, so whether you can come in person, or if you're only able to join us online, don't miss this new series starting next Sunday. I, 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 have, I have an incredible sense about how encouraging and helpful I think it's going to be to a lot of people. The series on Whisper. Also, just a heads up in case you're someone that wants to put this into your mental calendar already, from the 18th to the 22nd of January, we're also going to be doing five days of focus. So that just means we get together. It'll be in person and online. We're from 6 till 7, sorry, 7 till 8 p.m. 7 to 8 p.m. Monday to Friday. We come, we worship, we, we share something brief, but really we're trying to hear from God. So he's a wonderful counselor. Our responsibility is to listen. My encouragement to you, even over the season, as you have moments, turn down the volume of the world in order to listen to the voice of God. There's so much noise around us. Make sure that on a regular basis, we're turning down the volume of the world in order to listen to the voice of God. Number two, he is described as a mighty God. That word mighty has synonyms such as warrior, hero, a fighting soldier, a champion, or a hero of the people because he's willing to fight for the welfare of his people. I love, I love this definition of seeing him as a hero God, a champion God, a warrior God, a God who fights for his people. That's the God that we get to trust. That's the God that we get to surrender to, that we get to do life with if we choose. The next verse in Isaiah goes on in chapter 9, verse 7, to say that his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that description of Jesus. The Lord of heaven's armies. I don't have time to explain to you why I believe this is the case, but I think that there are billions of angels. If there are billions of people, I think there are many, many billions of angels. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He is a mighty, mighty God, and he's fighting on our behalf. Our response, I believe, is humility. And again, similar to just listening, it's, it's, it's almost not an overly, I think this is why it's so hard and so counterintuitive, because it's not an overly activistic attitude. It's not an overly active, it's actually quite a submissive attitude. Both listening and humbling ourselves is like, whew, okay, I'm going to trust you. 
I'm going I'm to do what I can, but God, I'm also going to recognize appropriate limits. I'm not going to be complacent, but I'm going to be content within godly limits. God, I'm going to trust you. That takes humility. It takes humility to know when we've done what we can. It takes humility to know that I don't know what I don't know. It takes humility. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7 says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I heard a description at some point about how this, this almost relates to the idea of enemy armies marching, like old school armies, not, not, not like people do today with, with technology and, and modern day weaponry, but like if you think Braveheart and some of those types of, of old school war scenes where people are, are lining up on the battlefield. What they were saying is that when you are proud, you're lining up against God. But when you're humble, you're lining up next to God. I love this mental picture. It's not saying you're bad. I don't know, it's just saying, hey, if, you, if you're going to be proud and take all the power and responsibility within yourself, well, you're likely lining up against God. But, but when you're humble and you're saying, God, I, I want what you want. I'm surrendered. Your will be done. You're the potter, I'm the clay, you're the master, I'm the servant. I'm lining up next to God. And you're on the winning side, by the way. Verse 6 says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. At the right time. So again, that speaks of patience. I know sometimes that sucks. Like, when's the right time? Like, can the right time come a little bit quicker, please? Guys, I don't know. But if we're humble and we trust God and we're doing what we can, so we're being diligent, we're being good stewards, but we're trusting Him to do what only He can at the right time. If He wants to promote, if He wants to lift you up, He will do it. And verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. He cares about you, man. I'm not going to get you to put your hand up, but I imagine that there would be people here today that have some cares, that have some worries. I imagine that there's some people watching online where you have some cares. There are some things that are stressing you out. There's some things that you're unsure about in the coming weeks or the coming months, or maybe you have family uh, or friends that, that at the moment are not doing well. They're, they're vulnerable. And so there can, be, there, can be, there can be the sense of anxiety. As we cast, as we give, our worries and cares to God. I think we find peace because we are reminded that He cares about us. I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I really do believe that humility is one of the keys. It's, it's one of the antidotes to anxiety. I'm not saying that there is a need for other help as well, but there's something about humility where we're saying, okay, God, the rest is up to you. Yeah. Number three, He is our everlasting Father. Everlasting is pretty obvious. That's eternal, continual never-ending, and father refers to the head of a family, the, the founder or the originator. Now, I want to be careful here because I know that for many people, the metaphor of a father is maybe not a great example. For others, it is. So for some, maybe you've had a, a great reference point when it comes to, to an earthly dad, and so, and so this is an encouraging metaphor. For other people, it takes a lot more faith. It takes a lot more perseverance to, to have to try and imagine what that might represent. But, but he is a good Dad, he does what good dads 
do. In fact, so much so that he paid the bill on our behalf. Before we even asked. Before we even cared. And, and again, those of you that are parents, you know what it's like if you feel like your kids aren't all that grateful, like they can't really appreciate the, what it's cost you. Like God's okay. Like, like he knows, he, but he's, he still loves us and he has still given. He is a trustworthy father. And because of that, I believe we can come boldly, as Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Think about this. There, we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Are you needing grace? You needing mercy? We can come boldly when we need it most and we will find it. Our response, I believe, is that we need to trust. We need to trust. Now, trust is built over time. Trust is earned. Trust is not just, you know, the, the click of a finger and boom, I, I trust. So I actually want to encourage you, if you're, if depending on where you are in your journey with God, maybe you're exploring, maybe you've been on the road for a long time, and maybe you feel like, like it's a lot harder for you to trust than what it seems to be for other people. I want to encourage you that that's okay. Yeah. That's, it is a journey. It takes time and experience to learn that someone is actually trustworthy. Yeah. Soon I've been married for 21 years. Soon only recently started trusting me. No, I'm joking. It was a little bit, a little bit longer ago than that. But, but, but make no mistake, it took me time. It took time because of, because of some of her own personal background. It took time for Sue to trust me that this wasn't just hype and, and optimistic. Okay, maybe Jason is trustworthy. Like, it takes time. So don't be discouraged if you feel like it's taking you time. Brennan Manning is or was an author and, and a speaker. He passed away a few years ago. And he's someone who, as far as I understand, battled on, to one extent or another, a, a wrestle with alcoholism until the day he died. And uh, he was a prolific author. You might have heard of the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Spoke very openly, very honestly, in spite of his Achilles heel, his limp, the, the thorn in his side, which I know would mess with a lot of Christians' heads, by the way. And I think it should. I think grace should mess with our heads. I'm not talking about exploiting grace. I mean, I mean, really realizing, you mean God genuinely can't love me more? Like he loves me as much as he can love me? That, that he, and that his love for you doesn't increase the better you behave and decrease the worse you behave? Guys, that's, that, that kind of grace, yeah. you can't explain that. You can't dissect that. You just have to recognize it. Because yeah. I'm telling you, God can't love you more. Just let that sink in for a bit. Nothing you can do to make God love you more. As Philip Yancey in his book, What's Amazing About Grace? Nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He, he cannot love you more. That's how much he loves you. I think we can please him more. We can please him less. And I think we can trust him more and trust him less. We can love him more and love him less. But God can't love you more. So he's quite well known for saying that he wonders if at some stage when he stands before God in heaven, if, if he may look back at him and say, Brendan, why wouldn't you let me love you more? Why would, in other words, not, not, again, not that God can love you, but, 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 but why wouldn't you like, like receive more of my love? Yeah. And again, th there have been moments where as parents, we get a little bit frustrated, like just let us love you. 
We love you. Damn it. You know, it's like, come on. Just let us love you. You, know, you care about your kids and sometimes they don't understand and sometimes, and sometimes because of condemnation or shame or guilt or whatever, they, they, they like struggle to receive your love. Guys, he's a, he's a good father. Number four, lastly, he is the prince of of peace. Please don't miss this. He is the prince of peace. Prince refers to captain, chief, keeper, ruler, governor, in charge of our peace. And peace is not just some superficial type of feeling. It is a deep rest, completeness, tranquility. In other words, Jesus, Jesus is the keeper of our peace. In fact, Jesus is peace. To know Jesus is to know peace. And it's not rational, although sometimes it involves some rational. It's, it's not scientific, although sometimes it adds up and it makes sense. But he actually offers us a peace that goes beyond understanding. He, he offers us peace that goes beyond uh, knowing how it's all going to work out, beyond knowing the good that's going to come out of the situation. He offers us a peace even when we don't know what the future holds. He is the prince of peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That's how we can experience peace, because of the price that Jesus paid. It goes on in verse 6 to say, When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. And verse 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I don't know about you, but every time I think about some of those truths, it is humbling for me, man. It is like, Jason, like what part of this don't you get? Like there's so much reason for hope. There's so much reason for peace. There's so much reason to trust. And so I believe that our only appropriate response to this is to surrender to surrender to our prince of peace to surrender to our mighty god to surrender to our everlasting father to surrender to our wonderful counselor today tomorrow as we enter into 2021 to constantly surrender to our prince of peace and follow him daily it, it hit me just recently that there's a hundred days from today until Easter Sunday. Just put that in your pipe and smoke it for a moment, okay? <laughs> like we're already, it feels like around the corner from Easter. Yeah. But think about this for a moment. I, my, my brain and personality, I, I, like, I like some of those reference points. There's a hundred days from today until Easter Sunday. And I can't help wondering if there's something that God might invite us to, invite you to, invite me to, I, I know where God's inviting me. I want to encourage you to try and be sensitive to what God might be inviting you towards over the next hundred days, where as we remember and celebrate His birth today, and then remember and celebrate His death and resurrection on Easter Sunday, I wonder if there's something that God wants to do in our lives. And the, the challenge or the encouragement is that that's not so much up to God as what it is up to us to respond to what God is wanting 
us to do. My encouragement to you as I close is to actually consider whether or not there's something that you think would be life-giving, would be helpful to you to, to kind of you know, stop or to, or to turn down the volume or to starve that, and something that is life-giving that you want to give extra attention to, where you want to turn the volume up in that area. Again, I, I, I can tell you for myself, I'm not going to, but I can tell you for myself what I think I need to, what I need to give less energy to, less oxygen to, and where I need to breathe more, more oxygen into an area where I just have the sense that over the next hundred days, there, there are people, God is inviting us to respond to this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and Lord of Heaven's armies, and respond to Him in a way on a daily basis where we are continuing to choose to listen, continuing to choose to trust, continuing to allow ourselves to be humbled, and continuing to surrender. We're, we're over this period. Now, it doesn't end on Easter Sunday, obviously. Relax. But, 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 but I like it when there's a goal. I like it when there's a deadline. It helps me, at least, my personality. Like, God, I'd like, to, I'd, like to, I'd like for my roots to go a little bit deeper between now and then. I'd like, I'd like for there to be a little more fruit that is being formed regardless of circumstances. So I can't promise you that 2021 is going to be easier. In fact, in fact, I can probably promise you that the first six months of 2021... Okay, I'm not allowed to tell you it might be harder. But it might be harder. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the first six months, what the first nine months, I don't know what the whole of 21... I don't know. I do know, though, that regardless, if we will respond to God, the Bible promises us that you will experience increasingly love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It says nothing about the circumstances. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. So he's saying, hey, you can have peace, you can have confidence, not in the world, you can have confidence in me in spite of what's going on in the world. I don't know, I, I, I can't help thinking that, that there's a moment in our lives right now where I think that God is giving us an unprecedented opportunity to figure out what matters most, to make sure that we really are evaluating where we are planted, where our hope is, what we are anchored to. And I think the more that things that we've been confident in are turned upside down, the more we are challenged to, okay, God, I can trust you. I can hold on to you. I can weather the storms with you. Come on, won't you stand with me? I want to pray for you. In fact, I want to bless you as, as you go into your Christmas day, whatever that looks like, and as you go into the final week of 2020, and as, and as God prepares you. Do you know that God wants to prepare us for 21? So for many of us, that might look like rest, and I hope if you're able to, that you take rest and that you milk it, like milk rest, rest well. We can rest so badly. Please rest well, so that you replenish in a life-giving way. But I want to bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, would you help us to experience the wisdom of our two wonderful four words, counselor? Would you help us to experience 
and to recognize the strength and dependability of our mighty God. Would you encourage us to trust our everlasting Father who cannot love us more? And would you help us to experience the peace that passes understanding? Father, I bless every person that is here in Jesus' name with peace, with hope, with joy. God, I pray that, that we'd actually find ourselves noticing moments today, tomorrow, in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, of where we're, of where we're actually sensing your invitation and offer of love and joy and peace. Help us to recognize it, God. Help us to notice your whispers and to respond to them. Help us to notice the, the life that you keep offering to us. And help us to respond faithfully. Father, for anyone that might be watching today or is here in person that is not in a relationship with you, God, would you please help them to, to recognize your invitation to build a relationship with you, to begin a journey towards trusting you, to accepting forgiveness that you offer completely free. No There's nothing we can add to it. But also the, the challenge and responsibility to respond to that grace by actually trusting you and following you towards the life that you actually have planned for us that is life that is peace, that is joy, that is love. So Father, for anyone that's in that situation today, would you help them to make that decision, just in their own minds, to say, yes, God, please, please, I receive you, I accept you, please, forgive me and lead me. And Father, I pray that as we conclude this final service of 2020, that Lord, you'll keep watering the seeds that you've been planting in our lives this whole year. Lord, I believe you're always wanting to build one layer upon another. Help us, help us not to forget lessons that you've been trying to reveal to us. Maybe even over this time, as some of us have a bit more space, would you remind us of, of what you're trying to form? Help us to trust you, help us to follow you, and to allow your fruit to be developed in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. May you have an incredible Christmas today. Whatever you're doing, may it be filled with some joy and some laughter. And if you're taking a break between now and whatever, the beginning of next year or in the first couple of weeks of next year, I also do pray. And we will continue to pray that God refreshes you and fills you with plenty of moments of healthy laughter and healthy joy. Maybe you can go find some really bad names uh, online if you're getting bored. God bless you. We'll see you in the new year, everybody. Thank you very much for coming.